The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast and finding us for however you do on the interweb. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro. It's Monday, so as always, we are joined by Andrew Juge of the Saints Nation to wrap up the last preseason game that any of us give a damn about, and we'll look ahead to the Redskins. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, Ralph. I'm, uh, you know, just uh, one week closer to the season, and I, I think I speak for all of us when I just can't wait for preseason to be over because it's it's painful, man. It's just like a uh, it's like a slow torture, you know, to get across the finish line and finally start the season. So well, I'm just really anxious. Well, for all intents and purposes, as far as the fans go, I mean, preseason is over. I mean, the third, well, the third, or in this case, the Saints case, the fourth preseason game really is the, it's the end. I mean, the fourth pre, the fourth preseason game doesn't even matter. I mean, I've been doing a column for Channel 4 for God knows how long, and I just am like, I don't write about the fourth preseason game, because if the Saints don't give a shit about it, I don't give a shit about it. Um, so, um, you know, it's from, well, I mean, here's I know, the thing. I mean, I, the one thing I was going to say is it's one thing when it's like the year after Katrina where you don't really know what you got yeah. and you're curious, like, hey, how's Drew Brees going to look coming off that injury learning a new system? Or, hey, how does this guy look? You know, I'm excited about this second-round rookie. This year it's kind of a double whammy because our first pick was a third-round pick. So mm-hmm. other than Akeem Hicks and, and Nick Toon, who's out, and Andrew Tiller, who's already been released, I mean, there's no rookies to get excited about, and the Saints are already a known entity. We know who, who the good players are on offense. We, you know, the defense is a little new. I guess that's exciting, but for the most part, we know who the guys are. The starters are pretty much in place. And preseason for the Saints is really – it's not like some other teams where there's 20 spots up for grabs. And yeah. you really have to watch the whole process unfold to really even get a sense of, who are these guys I'm going to root for this year? And, you know, half the NFL teams are like that, right? You know, at least a yeah. good 10 of them. And so so from that standpoint, like 2005, 2006 were exciting preseasons, but now we've gotten to the point where the Saints are such a known entity and, and it's just it's so – the team, it's a known quantity. That there's no mystery. You know I mean? Really really what we're, we're, we're watching for is to figure out if it's going to be Cadet or Ivory, the fourth well, running back. Either way, they're not going to get any playing time. Well, that that is an interesting point. We'll get to the running back situation in a minute. But um, Saints did make some cuts today, and I think – and I, I was with you about, hey, you know, the Saints are set. You know, we're not really – they don't really have a lot of roster churn. But one roster move they made today, and another thing people have been saying in, in camp during the practices, and you're starting to see it in games, Corey White – the kid they drafted from Sanford, I think he's going to push for playing time. So the rookie class might be a little bit better than, you know, basically we're like, well, it's just going to be a bunch of red shirt guys this year. We're not getting anything out of it. But I think Corey White can contribute, Andrew. And the Saints cut Remy Adele today. So to me, that to me says, look, the Saints have said, look, Hakeem Nix, you're in the rotation, buddy. 
so is it a is it were the moves today? Is that a good sign that this draft class can be a lot more than what we thought? Yeah, I think so. Look, first of all, I'll be the first to admit with Hicks that I was the biggest doubter of them all. Five and, sacks. Um, five. If he gets five sacks, the Saints are going to the Super Bowl. You guaranteed right. it on the podcast. Right. I did. I did. And you know, listen. I think the main thing about Hicks is, uh, you know, I, I judged him based on his competition. I said, how can yeah. some guy from Canada um, come in and in his first season? And, and Vid admitted as much himself. He said, this guy's really raw, and we're going to have to work with him. And so I figured, oh, well, forget it. This guy's not going to be able to play for at least a year. Um, but he's come in, and you know, like you said, I. Adele getting cut was a big surprise to me. Um, and, you know, I knew he, he was kind of down on the depth chart, so I figured um, he would be kind of on the bubble. But I didn't expect him to not make it past first cut. So you're right. Hicks has been playing well. And um, I think it's one of those things where um, he, he's kind of come on and he's gotten pressure on the quarterback. And so he's kind of found a place on this roster, which is surprising. And, you know, I've got to stop questioning the Saints because they turn over rocks. You know, yeah. They found talent in, in, in the crazy at Spelman College and Tipton College and Bloomsburg College. I mean, they found some good football players in some crazy places. So I'm going to stop questioning that. But I'm just so relieved that at least, I mean, it's already pretty much a certainty as long as he makes the 53-man roster that Akeem Hicks won't be Al Woods. And so from yeah. that standpoint, it's a huge win for me. Well, and the, um, well yeah. And ahead, I mean, sorry. No, I was going to say, and the thing is with – Hakeem Nix is when you compare him to Remy Adele. Remy Adele, look, you know what you're going to get. He's a workmanlike journeyman player. He had some good. He had he had some really good moments on the Saints, but he his, there's nothing his, sexy about him. Yeah, his best is behind him if he ever had a, a best. And I think the Saints probably came to the conclusion: Look, Hakeem Hakeem Hicks. Yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah, he's going to make mistakes, but we're going to live with his mistakes because he's going to make plays for us. We want him in the rotation because we want him. We want him learning on the job because he's going to give us um, just as much as he's going to take away as a rookie. And him learning on the job is more important than uh, Remy Adele playing and just being a guy that's okay. Yeah, I mean Hicks is kind of um, you know it's a fine line. It's always a fine line, yeah. and Hicks has kind of crossed that line of talent trumps trust. Yeah, and there's not too, and that that's pretty uh, important to say because people don't realize how freaking talented you need to be to cross over and trump trust. Because mm-hmm. NFL coaches are all about trust. Look how yeah. long Josh Manley's been able to survive in this defense. You know, when you're a known quantity, there's a real reassurance, especially when you're a good football team that wins games by not making mistakes. And so, for a team to put trust in a player that's raw like that, you got to think, this guy's got to be damn good. He's got to have a lot of talent. And we've already seen it on the field in preseason. He has been eating backups lunches. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the second and third teams haven't been able to really contain him. So it'll be interesting to see how he does against starters. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other guy, like you said, Corey White, is playing really, really, really well. And that that's probably, I would say, the story of the rookie class. I'd say even more than Traverse Cadet. Um, is, is how strong Corey White's been. And look, we were talking at the beginning of the, of the preseason, and we were saying how, number one, we were worried about the depth. And then when the corners started dropping like flies, <laughs> and Robinson had his shoulder injury, and Greer had, you know, his, um, his, his surgery, 
we got worried and, and we're like, well, who, who can play cornerback? You know, and we joked about that, but you know, we've gotten to a point where White got a lot of reps thanks to those dominoes falling into place, and now he looks prepared and he looks ready. And so, um, I, I kind of go back to my original theory, which was, hey, maybe this is a good thing and it'll help the yeah. Saints in the long run. And uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I feel like they've kind of got a lead horns or better quality corner out of... There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. He's a big guy. He's big. I mean, he looks more He looks more like a safety than a corner almost. He, he to me, if he can... You know, it's yet to be seen if he if he can run with elite wide receivers. But to me, he's got good instincts and he's got huge size. If Andrew, if he can figure out how to run and keep up with elite receivers, he is going to be a damn good corner. Well, that's that's what they liked about him initially when they drafted him. Is he kind of had that combination of size yeah. and speed? And, and you know, it's interesting. Every time I swear it's like the Jim Haslett curse. <laughs> Anytime I, I, I'm immediately kind of you know, resistant to thinking some guy's going to be any good when they say, oh, he's really, he's fast and he's got size. Because yeah. immediately I'm thinking in my head, oh, well, he doesn't know how to play football. Be <laughs> grand. But, um, yeah, the, the Cedric Hodge for cornerbacks. But um, anyway, no, he, he's, he's looked apart. And uh, so far, knock on wood, he's, he's been a solid corner. And, and look, the Saints, are going to need him to be number four, maybe number five. So, uh, pro- you know, probably the dime back. So yeah. they don't need him to be a starter. They don't need him to line up against Andre Johnson. Yeah. It, so, I mean, it's considering what we expected out of this draft class, if the Saints get, if the Saints get two contributors, I mean, if, if, if they get, say, uh, you know, Corey White is playing 25% of the snaps and, Hakeem Nick, Hakeem, I call him Nick, but Hicks, if he gets two and a half sacks, I'd say that that's an A for the Saints for the draft. And, all, and, and I'm being dead serious. Considering what they were working with, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's just the I mean, the thing is, and you mentioned about the trust. I mean, look, the Saints front office, look, Mickey Loomis, it's, it's, he's a cap guy, 
But the thing that I've that I've always said about him, and he he's proven it time and time again with the hiring of Sean Payton, whatever it is that a person can do, he knows how to make great hires as far as Sean Payton and scouts and assistants and that sort of thing. And he has stocked that front office with people that, you know, this is one good thing about Bounty Gate that I'm crossing my fingers, Andrew, is that it puts the stink on the Saints organization. And instead of like Rick Riprish and these other pro personnel guys that were probably on the fast track to being general managers, maybe the Saints will squeeze a couple more years out of them and have this good front office because teams will be like, ah, we don't want to touch Saints front office people with the bounties and stuff. So maybe it's an upside to Bounty Gate. I just found it. Well, there's not much, so I'm, I'm glad you were able to figure something out. <laughs> but, all right, let's talk about the game. Um, Jimmy Graham, uh, if it's possible, might even be might even be better than last year. He looks bigger yet just as fast. Um, the offense shredded the number two defense in the NFL without Darren Sproles. Um, yeah. So I have no I have no concerns with the offense at all. The the, the offensive line blocked well. Um, did you see anything that stuck out uh, as far as the game went, either good or bad for the Saints? Well, we'll start with the good. What stuck out that was good? Um, I, I think the most notable thing, like you said, is um, well. First of all, I, I want to say not only in this game but all of preseason, Ben Grubbs has been great. Yeah, he looks he looks very strong. He looks great pulling. He looks better pulling than Carl Nix did because he's a little quicker. Um, he doesn't have as mean of a streak as, as Nix in the trenches. And so, you know, maybe on short yardage situations, um, it, it's a little bit of a downgrade. But, man, when he gets out off the edge and, and he's uh, – those Pierre Thomas screens, I mean, he is just blowing people up and he's fast enough to get to those guys. And so I've been really impressed by him, and that's a positive. But – yeah, no, I think that the main thing with the offense is um, that they were able to score so many points and move the football without Darren Sproles. That, that's the catalyst of the offense, really, and that, that's the, the player that creates so many matchup problems. And so for Brees to not even have him and not miss a beat, and for that offense to put up points, move the football, that was really impressive. So I, I think this confirmed to us once again that this offense, it's not good. It's it's historical. Um, and so from that standpoint, uh, they can go up against anybody and they can win. Um, yeah. uh, as far as the defense, I thought surprisingly, now look, 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 the first two drives, let's just go ahead and purge that. It was atrocious. It was horrible. They looked really, really bad. And, and I'll admit that I, I'm one of those guys who I, I never try to jump to conclusions. You know, I kind of let things play out. I jump to conclusions a lot. Yeah, so, but I have to admit, after those first two drives, I kind of had in the back of my mind, and this is going to be a long season, because they looked really bad. Um, but they made adjustments and transformed themselves almost immediately after that second drive. And if you think about it, the they gave up 10 points the rest of the game, and seven came off that Joe Morgan fumble, which gave the Texans first and goal. So that drives the throwaway, so... Um, really, the rest of the game, I thought they were outstanding. And really, they, you know, we're really talking about the first half because in the second half it was backups. But uh, I thought the starting defense uh, turned it around really well. So I, I was even encouraged by that. Yeah, and the one thing that I was most encouraged with about the defense was uh, Cameron Cameron Jordan uh, 
he's been coming on. I think they said you know he came in the he came into camp lighter, um, yeah. just growing. And I I said all along last year I said look don't just he he had a struggle last year but don't don't label him a bust yet because defensive linemen sometimes it takes a couple of years. And my comparison was Wayne Martin, which was a is a Saints player. Pretty far back. If you're if you're a young guy, you might not remember it, but he was a Saints guy. The Saints drafted him, and he didn't take off really till the middle of his third year. And all he did was play for like a dozen years for the Saints and have double digit sacks. I think five or six years they yeah, played him at tackle. They played him at tackle. They played him at end. He only he only made like one Pro Bowl. But believe me, if Cameron if if Cameron Jordan is is eighty percent of him, you'll be more than pleased. So that to me gives me hope that maybe Cameron Jordan, not that he's going to be a 10-sack guy, but if he goes from one sack to six or seven and the Saints can get a couple, you know, if they can have Junior Gallette have seven, if they can have Jordan have seven, if they can have Turk McBride have four, and they can start having a bunch, not, you know, one or two guys with 10, but you can have three or four guys with six or seven, I think that will mean they have a legitimate pass rush, which is a good sign. It makes all the difference in the world, Ralph, because we already know that Cam Jordan's awesome at, at, at run defense. Yeah. So from that standpoint, you know, even as a rookie last year, he was outstanding in that department. So anything bonus that he can give us in, in a pass rushing situation is, is a plus. And, look, he's kind of starting to remind me a little bit of Will Smith. And Will yeah. Smith is a great, complete defensive end who's very strong and very, very good at his position. And unfortunately for Will Smith, um, the last few years, the other side of the football has been so bad that, especially in pass rushing downs, that he's been seeing double team after double team. Yeah. And so if Cam Jordan plays like he did the other night, um, he's going to be seeing less of those double teams, which means that he's going to start playing there too. Yeah. And, look, if we get a replica of, of Will Smith on the other side, um, that's good enough by me because I'm not a huge fan of these guys like Dwight Freeney or guys like that that are just pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, and then you run right at them and you can run them over and you can really expose them. Um, that's that's the thing that I think is really underappreciated about Will Smith is how complete of a player he is. And down and distance does not matter. He, he's, he, he's a good guy to have on the field in any situation. Yeah. And I kind of think we saw Cam Jordan – develop into that right in front of our own eyes in that last game. So, for me, that's what was the most encouraging thing. And, yeah, he, I don't think he's going to be a 10-sack guy. But but what's important for us to realize is he's either going to move inside on third downs now or he's going to be off the field. And they're going to put in Martez Wilson. They're going to put in Junior Gillette. So, when they need the specialist, they can plug him in there. And if Cam Jordan can just do a good job on first and second down of generating rushes when they draw back to pass, uh that's 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 it makes a huge difference. That that changes the whole complexion of the defense. No, if he could if 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 Jordan gets up to six or seven sacks and maintains his run defense, that to me is a, I rather have two defensive ends. What's that? That's a game changer. Yeah, I rather to me personally on my defense, I rather have two defensive ends that are say nine sacks apiece but are really good against the run than two pass rush only defensive ends that have 15 sacks. I rather I have the, I rather have the two complete guys cuz I think you're better off. So we'll we'll see but I they've got to get healthy at linebacker um and I look, I 
I know everybody said Greg Williams came in and changed it right around. They started creating turnovers, and uh, so people are going to expect a quick turnaround. But to be honest, the 2009 defense, as fun and great as it was, it really did one thing really good. It created turnovers. It created turnovers, two things. It created turnovers all year long, and when they really needed them, it created them too. And it started in the Detroit game, Andrew, and it didn't end until Tracy Porter was in the end zone. But as far as being a good defense, it was not. And Steve Spagnuolo's defense is more complicated, I think. And if you look at the Giants when they won the first Super Bowl against the Patriots and they were undefeated, that defense for the first month was awful. It took them time to figure it out, and I think that's going to be the Saints, and people are just going to have to deal with it the first month of the year. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to deal with it, and, um, you know, that's basically it. You said it, Ralph, but, uh, you know, you, you talk about that comparison with Greg Williams and, and Spagnuolo, and look, the main thing is if Cameron Jordan plays like I think he can play this year, if he had played like that last year, then we're not talking about how Greg Williams' defense fell apart. That's yeah. the important thing to realize here is it's not – I mean, yes, it's the scheme, but at the end of the day, the players are the ones yeah. that are on the field, and they're the ones that are executing the scheme. And if you're talking about a one-dimensional defensive end versus a complete defensive end, that changes the scheme. That changes the game plan. It changes everything. Once you can trust that you've got a guy that you can plug in in different situations that he's going to do well for you and he delivers, that's a game changer. And so, you know, back with, with uh, they were fortunate in 2009, of course, with, with Sharper, too, that was able to kind of turn so many plays, um, you know, get his hands on the ball and boom, it was an interception, you know, and he made those plays very consistently. And uh, I think that the main problem we've seen when the defense switched to Malcolm Jenkins was, he hasn't been able to live up to the performance that Sharper did before him. So um, yeah. that, I still think, and, and we saw glimpses of it this preseason, and I, I kind of think Jenkins has been a little up and down this preseason. He had an interception in the yeah. first game. He had a really bad play last last game. Um, so he's kind of been up and down, but I still think he's the guy. He's got to come around. He's got to be the guy back there that – makes plays that gets the defense off the field. So um, I'm still waiting for that maturation process from Jenkins as much as anything else. Yeah, and he's – I, I want to say he. this is his contract year. He might have one more year left. I'm not sure, but he's coming he up. one more after this, yeah. But, I mean, either way, he's coming up to where uh, this will be his chance to get paid. So, he, you know, he's, he's always looking for a big year. Um, and that's another thing with Cedric Ellis. You know, I say, you know, I'm going to say it in my preview column that if, for the Saints defense, if in November we're talking about how the hell are the Saints going to pay Cedric Ellis, they got to keep him, they got to keep him. If you're hearing that, that's a great sign. That's what I want. And I, I would, ne- I wouldn't pay Cedric Ellis. Okay, if he if he goes out and has a dozen sacks for the Saints and they win the Super Bowl, if I was the Saints, I'd say thank you and wave bye bye to him. But God bless him if he can have a you know if he can have that one career year and, and cash in from like the Redskins or another team desperate to pay him. Um, so I think he he's a guy that you know is going to be looking to get paid. Um, but you know Andrew, it's coming up to where uh, we're having a real game soon. The Redskins, that's your neck of the woods because you're in Virginia. So tell us how are the Redskins, how are they looking 
with the preseason with RG3 and year two of Shanahan? Uh, you know, I think a lot of Redskins fans are pretty optimistic based on what they saw against the Colts in the most recent game. Um, but, you know, and I, I, I fear so much that I've been a Saints fan for so long. Huh. You know, even when they're good. I mean, you remember last year when they lost to, uh, to the Rams and the year before that when they lost to the Cardinals with Max Hall at quarterback and, um, they lost to the Browns with, uh, Colt McCoy at quarterback. So, even even in the Saints' best years, which have been the last three, they've lost to some really bad teams. Yeah. And um, so any game, I think you kind of go in, and I I think part of the reason why is is the Saints have gotten overconfident and a little complacent when they play weaker opponents, maybe. But um, but on paper, you know, RG3 is an exciting player, no doubt about it. But I I just don't see this Redskins team. They're, first of all, they're not as good defensively as they've been in past years. And, um, you know, when Greg Williams was there and really after him a little bit, um, that defense is pretty scary to face. But um, they just don't have, I think, the talent and, and the ability that they had maybe um, a few years back or five years ago. So the defense, I think, is taking a hit. And um, I think right now with the injuries at linebacker, I was telling you this before we started the podcast, the Saints are, are weak enough at linebacker that if I'm a new, if I'm a team with a new quarterback and he's young and this is going to be his first start, what I'm doing is I'm pounding the rock because I want to take pressure off my rookie quarterback, even if he's exciting and he, you know, he'd be wanting to make plays. I want to take that pressure off of him. I want to limit the amount of time that he needs to come up with something special and really pound the rock 40, 50 times, and it really plays into the Redskins' hand to do that because the Saints are so banged up at linebacker. So they can really expose some of these players that aren't supposed to be starters or are kind of plugged in there. But if you look at the Redskins running back group, um, the best one they have is probably Tim Hightower. And, uh, you know, he's coming off an injury, and he didn't even start or he didn't even really play that much in the Colts game. So it, it's hard to say if he's going to be the guy. Um, but behind him they've got – you know, a rookie from Florida International that's been playing a lot. They've got Royster and they've got Helu. And um, none of those names scare me, Ralph. I, I mean, I'll tell you, yeah. if they run the rock 40 times with those guys, um, I don't care who's playing linebacker for the Saints. I feel at least decent about their ability to stop it. And uh, so if they're able to stop the run, and that's why they got Bradford Brunkley, and he's got to step up in that game. But if they're able to even somewhat contain the run game, puts it on the shoulders of RG3, I just don't think he's coming out week one, running for 120 yards, throwing for 280, accounting for four or five touchdowns. And that's what they're going to need because the Saints are playing in the dome. Darren Sproles will be ready. Jimmy Graham, Marcus Colston, Drew Brees. They're going to need to put up 30-something points to win at least. Yeah, I mean, I like I like the – the Redskins, I like their linebackers, you know, with uh, Kerrigan and Arakbo. I mean, L- London Fletcher, he's 37. His body, he's been like the indestructible man, but he, he, I read in pieces his body's starting to break down a little. I mean, besides their linebacker, the, the outside linebackers, which I really like, I don't think the Redskins secondary can cover. So if, if, no, if, and Arakbo's a little banged up, too. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, the thing that worries me is I feel like, Either Luck or RG3, one of them is going to win their opening game. You know, but, I guess that leaves Andrew Luck then. Yeah, 
Um, is there, is there, a, you know, the, the, the Panthers cut Alindo Mari today. So, it, the, immediately I thought, well, they'll just wait, they'll just wait for the Saints to, to cut uh, Casey and then they'll, the, the Panthers will claim Casey and they'll have like one last, uh, hurrah, goodbye, uh, farewell tour. Um, do you have a sense of what the Saints are going to do at kicker? You know, I feel like if Hartley hit that 53-yarder, it was lights out. Yeah. So I think I think it was kind of like Hartley had had a stranglehold on it, and he kind of let off that grip a little bit. Um, but the job was his before that mess. I really felt like it was. So he's given new life to uh, to Casey. But it was interesting. There, there. I think there were five or six kicks available to both kickers in that game between field goals and extra points. And Casey took one of them, and uh, Hartley took five. So, uh, to me, they were running out with the starters, and that, that was kind of the starters game in, in the preseason to get acclimated. And so that told me one of two things. It told me, number one, Hartley's kind of the starter right now. And number two, um, the Saints felt like, okay, we want to get a long and good look at Garrett Hartley right now because, we think he's our kicker, and we want to feel good about that decision. So he's taking the reps, and yeah. we want to make sure that he makes them. So, you know, the 53-yarders, it, it's not an easy kick. He kind of knuckles it, and uh, he hit it short. And, you know, distance has never really been a problem with him. So that that was a little bit concerning to me. It's, it's like, wait a minute, this was his best asset, even maybe more so than accuracy was his leg strength. And if he's not getting it to the crossbar from 53, um, that maybe changes things a little bit because um, we know we know that inside of 50, Casey's fine. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I still think Hartley has an edge, and it's really, at this point, it's really going to take something catastrophic like Hartley missing a chip shot um, in this last game. But I, I do think it kind of comes down to this last game. I think yeah. if, if Casey goes two for two and, and Hartley misses a field goal, then – it really is a crapshoot. But if, if Hartley kind of makes, you know, a couple 40-yarders, maybe a 35-yarder, and Casey makes one kick, um, you know, I, I, I think I think Casey puts you this way. I think Casey's going to have to do something really special or Hartley's going to have to screw up pretty bad in this last game to change things. But I, I really do think it's Hartley's job unless something crazy happens. Yeah, I, I, I sort of – I sort of agree. I mean, you can. I, I just get. I just get the sense that the Saints. It's. It. It, it was. A, I, I. I do believe it was a fair and open competition. I don't think they would have invited Casey back if they didn't believe that. But I think the Saints want Hartley to win the job. And you know, like you said, I think. I think it's his to lose. Um, so Andrew, since this is. Um, gonna be. We're gonna have one more show. We'll do. A, we'll do a preview next week. But. I want to get your thoughts on, you know, I don't, I know maybe you didn't do any research, but feel free to talk out of your ass because I do that all the time. I do that all the time. But as I've watched the preseason games on my iPad on the preseason package, um, I sort of, you never know who's going to be good, but I feel like in preseason, I'm, I'm, I've been pretty good at calling on which teams are going to be just god awful and a disaster. Um, I think the Jets are just going to. They, they haven't scored a touchdown in the preseason. I mean, even the Ditka Saints, with Heath Schuler at quarterback, could score touchdowns in the preseason. When you go three weeks without scoring a touchdown, that's a huge red flag. Um, 
But I'm going to give you a team that I think is going to be just – I think they're going to be god-awful. Kansas City, I think they're going to be god-awful because when their coach is during the preseason is saying, we got to figure out what we're good at, that to me is just a really bad sign. So, And it's bad because they, they open up against the Falcons. But I think Kansas City is going to be like two-win bad. What is your sense Ooh. of a of, what is your sense of a team that you think is just going to suck? <laughs> well, I, I agree with you with the Jets. Um, you can just tell they're playing without confidence. And the AFC, you know, it's one of those things where it's at least a weaker conference, so you, you can kind of navigate through a couple easy games. But I, I, to me, it's and, – and my apologies to your wife – for saying, <laughs> oh, yeah, we were to me, the, I just don't see how the Dolphins are gonna are gonna do anything, and uh, th- this could easily be a two win season for them. And I know they're excited about Tannehill, but well, if you're asking a rookie that I'm not sure is ready to go out there and and perform, and God forbid something happened to him, and you're back to Matt Moore and, and, and a crippled David Garrard, and, and you don't have uh, you don't have Brandon Marshall. No, he's and gone, and so it's. It, it, I mean, I, I approve of some of their moves. You know, they, they they've identified the kind of they, they want to get character guys like the Saints, and so they've gotten rid of the bad apples, even if they're you know, talented players. So, you know, they got rid of Ocho Cinco, they got rid of uh, Brandon Marshall, and, and they've kind of had a no tolerance for attitude. And so, I can totally appreciate that. That's kind of the Sean Payton model, but it's it's going to take a while. I just don't think they have the pieces right now. And I don't think Tannehill can just show up day yeah. one and really produce. And Jake um, But the Cleveland Browns are another team. They're going to be – yeah, I mean, again, it's – you know, it's one thing to have a mediocre quarterback. I, I See, the Chiefs are a perfect example. Matt Castle, do I think he's good? Not really. He's good enough to catch fire, to get hot, and maybe win and five they have, games. And they do have offensive weapons. At least they with do. The I mean, so it is a little bit. It is a little bit of reach on my part because they have Charles, they have Hillis, they have Bo, they have the nice tight end who I forget his name. But they, I mean, so they have they have skilled people on offense. I mean, when you talk about the Cleveland Browns and Miami, I mean, you might have Trent Richardson going to get drafted and Reggie Bush, and that's it. I mean, you're not going to have. Here's my thing, Ralph. Forget quarterback. Just throw quarterback out the window for a second because any any offense that loses their starter yeah. gets screwed. You know, so any any time your starter goes down, it's a miracle if you can keep winning games without them. So, but throwing quarterback out the window. If you look at the other ten positions off the on the offense, if you can say that a team losing one player, it's like oh wow, they lose that guy, they are screwed. Then then they're not a good offense. Yeah. You know, and so the Saints, I mean, if they lost Sproles, you saw what the result was with no Sproles. If they lost Graham, yeah, it would hurt. They still put up points. Um, but I just think if the Browns lose Trent Richardson, we're, we're already saying he's the best player and he's a rookie. Or if the Dolphins lose Reggie Bush, who I mean, we all know how good he is or isn't, depending on the week, those offenses are finished. They don't have anything else. Yeah. So – you know, throw away the quarterbacks, but if, if your whole offense is relying on one guy to stay healthy, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. I, you know, in the NFC, it'll be interesting to see which teams are bad. Um, it's hard. It's hard to tell. Um, you know, I, I think I don't think Arizona is going to be bad, 
because they have I a do. lot they have a lot of talent except at quarterback. So they might be able to win some games. The Rams are just they are just a dumpster fire. I don't even know. You know, that they beat that they that they destroyed the Saints last year is still one of the great how the fuck did that happen games of all time. I blame it all on Charles Brown. Yeah, it is. I do too. Uh, in the NFC, if if I said Andrew, he, you're going to Vegas. I'm giving you a thousand dollars, and you got to pick a team in the NFC that's going to win less than four games, and you can't pick the Rams. Ooh. And you can't pick the Rams. Who do you pick? You can't pick the Rams. Who do you pick? All right. Well, the NFC South is going to be real competitive. I think all four teams win more than four. Um, I'm with you on the Vikings. I think they're going to be at least mediocre. I I think they're going to surprise some people. I think the Bears are going to be improved. So, you know, not them. The Packers are the Packers. Detroit Detroit may, I think, slump a little bit from last year, but I still think they're talented enough offensively. They're definitely going to win more than four. Um, so what we got, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Eagles. I kind of all see all of them winning more than four. Yeah. Ah, God, I, I guess the Redskins. I mean, yeah. I still feel like RG3 is not polished enough, so um, maybe that's my pick, I, I guess. I mean, it, the NFC is pretty strong from top to bottom yeah, this year. Um, just, there's a lot you, of good teams. You'd love to be in the AFC. I think Did was... I forget a division there? No, I mean the NFC, you, you, Seattle, but I – Oh, the 49ers in Seattle, yeah. But Seattle um, – Russell, Russell well, we got the Rams, 49ers, Seattle, and who's the fourth team in our division? Arizona. Arizona. Um, oh, yeah. Whew, I guess I'd have to – actually, I'd pick Arizona to get yeah. a win. I think, you know, their court – I mean, it's like it's like the John Beck and Rex Grossman show for the Redskins <laughs> of last year. It's akin to that. And uh, I think when your quarterback situation is that bad, you got no hope. Yeah, it, it, it'll be it'll be interesting because they have a you know they have a they have a they have some decent players you know they just they they went with Kevin Cobb and he was just I mean you'd think teams would have learned by now that Andy Andy Reid is a really really great quarterback coach and he can make quarterbacks look good. And you'd think that mm-hmm. it figured. You'd think teams would have figured it out after AJ Feely and Donovan McNabb, and but apparently they didn't. Um, so we're going to end with this, Andrew. As we get closer to the NFL season, give me um, a fantasy sleeper that you're looking at. Uh, in a league you're playing. It can be a Saints guy. It can be whoever. Give me a guy that you are looking at and you're like, I think that guy is going to be a top ten in his position that nobody's talking about, and you've got him sort of penciled in at a spot where he's a guy you want on your team or however many teams you have in fantasy. You want him on your teams, and you're going to pick him, and you might even pick him a round or so early because you're, you're, ple- you're, you're thinking he's going to break out. Well, I mean, so uh, this isn't a sleeper, but I'll tell you guys right now that w- once you get out of the top five and you're kind of getting cl- b- to the bottom of the top ten maybe, I-, I would be thinking about Jimmy Graham because he- he's going to put up 100 catches and, and 10-plus 10, 10 touchdowns this year. So I don't care if he's a tight end or receiver or whatever. I, I think that's worthy of a top ten pick, um, especially in points per reception league. Yeah, um, because I think he is going to dominate. 
Um, but, you know, I, I like Trent Richardson. I think he's, as a rookie yeah. with the Browns, I think he's kind of a sleeper. I think he's going to be um, better than Mark Ingram, honestly, and he, he's certainly going to get more reps. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a sleeper. I mean, Sproles is always going to be a great pickup in any points per reception league. So, that you know, most of their leagues I play in are PPR. So, um, you know, Matt Forte is another back, or LaShawn McCoy, yeah. another running back that, you know, they, they just – not only do they get the ball on, on rushing, but they, they catch so many balls that you're getting point five points every time. So, um, but, you know, we've gotten to a point, you know, it's weird with running backs. It used to be, you know, the first five to seven picks for running backs. And that's kind of changed because now you've only got really um, four or five teams that have one guy. Yeah. And the rest are kind of back by committee. So it's kind of devalued. Uh, running backs a little bit, and so that's where guys like Gronkowski and and, and uh, Jimmy Graham have kind of snuck into the top 15, and um, obviously Calvin Johnson is more valuable to have than 95% of running backs. So, yeah, um, it is. It's, it's, you're, you're absolutely right, and, and the thing is with running backs, you're, you're almost better off trying to just stockpile five or six of them and just seeing what shakes out. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, so I, I think uh, it, it's tough, man. It, it's really tough. I mean, my, my, my rule when I draft in fantasy is I always get defense and kicker last, no matter what. Yeah. Um, and if you're not in a league with a lot of Saints fans, um, I've noticed that Casey's been going you – know, he, he's rated higher. So most people don't realize the Saints kicker situation, and they're taking Casey. So – you can usually take Hartley in the last round, and he'll hang around as long as you don't play with a lot of Saints fans. So uh, you can kind of reserve that last spot for him for fantasy. And defense, you know, I always just look at matchups week one, you know, and who's going to get me points week one. Um, and so that's kind of usually yeah. my strategy and, for, and for also, And also as far as fantasy goes, for picking a defense, if you're thinking of picking a defense high, just remember this, the number one defense for one year usually falls out of the top 10 for points because fantasy defense and real defense is one of those things that really has like no correlation. I mean, the Saints, when they won their Super Bowl, were in the 20s in defense, and I think they were like number three total for fantasy because it's all about turnovers and touchdowns. But a guy that I'm looking at fantasy-wise, Andrew, is if you can't get an elite quarterback, if you're not going to get the Brady, the Brady, the, Brady, the Manning, no, not, not Manning, Breeze, and the top sort of four or five guys, so if you're not going to get one of those and you're going to wait, I really like to go the two quarterback system, have two sort of guys and play matchups. I like Andrew Luck a lot. I think he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. So if you're in a, in a league where you get penalized for interceptions, he might not be as good. But I think he's going to throw for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. I think he'll probably be in the 25 touchdowns, 25 picks. But yeah. if you if you play in a league where it's only a penal, it's only a point for an interception or no no deduction for interception, you know what do you what do you care if Andrew Luck goes for they, the Colts get crushed and he goes for 325, two touchdowns and three picks? What do you care? You don't get any points that's, off. That's a good point. They're going to be playing from behind a lot. Yeah, so I really I really like him. And, and one thing I heard on, that and Matthew Barry say was that uh, Peyton Manning. You know, everybody says he was so bad his first year, and he was, but he was still number ten for fantasy points that year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, and and you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself to get an elite quarterback. Because in the later rounds, 
guys like Philip Rivers, Ben yeah. Roethlisberger, and Matt Schaub are always hanging around. And those, all three of those guys, um, well, two of them had 4,000 yard seasons passing. I think Rivers had like 4,500 yards. And, uh, Schaub was well on his way to that if he hadn't gotten hurt. So, yeah. um, that, that's three, you know, mid-round quarterbacks that'll be still available if you don't get kind of the top tier yeah. guys that are really good. And they'll be, they'll be, there usually is a top 10 quarterback that isn't drafted. So if you sort of let your roster be kind of flexible, you know, if you only pick like one kicker and you're willing to do some roster tweaks the first couple of weeks, you can usually get the, get a quarterback. I mean, last year, I rode the Tebow train all oh, the way to, I rode the Tebow train all the way to the playoffs, baby. I traded Phillip Rivers away and upgraded at receiver and running back and rode the Tebow train. You just don't watch the game, Andrew. And you just look at the numbers and you're like, yeah, he was, he was three for 20, but he ran for 60 yards and a touchdown. So <laughs> it all evens out. But anyway, so people, you get, you get fantasy chat at the end of this. So Andrew, uh, Pretty much, I can say this with with all certainty, it is football season now because the next time I talk to you, we'll be breaking down and previewing actual games, and a week after that, it'll be hardcore film study with you every single week. So uh, the long – Looking forward to that, and uh, until then, Thursday, we've got uh, a little Canfield football for you guys, and um, hey, uh, lastly, uh, you know, just with Hurricane Isaac, I just want to say – Everybody be safe and uh, hope that things go well for everyone. And obviously, uh, you know, uh, just uh, well wishes, you know, and obviously I'm not down there, but my family is and my mom's down there. And I know she's uh, – a lot of people in New Orleans are riding out the storm. So good luck and best wishes to everybody. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. Be safe, everyone. For Andrew Juge of the Saints Nation, I'm Ralph Marlboro. Uh You can suck it, Isaac. So long, everybody.